Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. And they've turned defense into attack. And got the opening try of the game. Shoulder onto the net. No mitigation. So it's a red card. Straight red. Man and away goes Barnsley, and he's going to score. And this will be the icing on the cake for 14 man Edinburgh. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The countdown to the Six Nations is on and we are here every step of the way. Thank you very much for joining us. As ever, it's David, Matt and Alan chewing through all of the big issues in Scottish rugby. And the Scottish rugby negative news gods have given us some breaking news to talk about straight away and we will be getting into that shortly. But first, Alan, how are you doing, bud? Yeah, good. Had a nice little uh, Burns night. Um, just me, the the missus and uh, Freya on Monday night. Put her in a little kilt. She sort of cried and vo- vomited everywhere. And uh, we sort of put her to bed and had a great time. So there you go. Sounds lovely. Matt, did you um, did you toast the bard? I uh, did, actually, yeah. Um, nice a bit, a bit of haggis. Um Made my own shortbread, actually, which is a complete disaster. Didn't look anything like shortbread. Tasted terrible. <laughs> uh, a couple of hours of my life when we get back. But apart from that, it was pretty good, yeah. That was me. That, my greatest sort of thing I've done this week was my, my haggis lunchtime dish, which was the neeps and tatties fried in butter put into a patty, and then the haggis also fried in the same, in same butter and then put on top, and it tasted oh. unbelievable. There you go. Scotland on a dish. Yeah, that you turned it into a patty. Oh yeah, gotta love a patty. Anything, ninety-nine percent of foods can be squished together and fried in a patty, and it tastes pretty good. Do you remember um, when you, you were saying the, New Zealand's favourite food is is what was it? A pie with a pizza with spaghetti? Can you a, a pie with spaghetti with spaghetti hoops? No, no, it's yeah, it's a, pe- it's a pizza with spaghetti hoops, then sort of sprinkled on top of the pizza. It's a, f- a very common and delicious dish. So I was wondering if you could kind of work in haggis into that dish somehow. Haggis pizza with spaghetti hoops on top. There you go. Thank you very much. And that's yeah, that's the sort of crossover meal, the sort of crossover meal that you're. Um... Your sort of half Scottish, half um, New Zealand daughter can look forward to for the rest of her life. Poor thing. Obviously, we'll be looking ahead to um, Scotland's first game in the Six Nations about 10 days away, which must mean we're probably only three or four days away from a journalist going and seeing Jim Telfer and Jim Telfer sort of standing at the Scotland-England border and talking about how much he loves England, that sort of annual tradition. You, you look forward to that every year, don't you, Alan? 
It's my favourite thing. Maybe him and then maybe just like a little side journey to see like Peter Wright to get some like great quotes about how like terrible the English pack is. Um, but no, I'm excited to see. I'm not sure what Jim Telfer is going to come up, going to come up with. Definitely, definitely, there'll be some sort of sort of linkage to, I reckon, sort of Scottish independence and our sort of um, fighting kind of the the, the oppressive overlords, um, which I'm quite excited to see and read. My favourite one was t- I think two years ago when he was looking. It was on his farm in in Melrose, and it was sort of like it was talking about defending the border which I just think was fantastic. I always wonder what sort of impact these things have because all the quotes usually get read out to the England team who I presume just sort of shrug their shoulders. But it's one of those Scottish rugby traditions that I, I love and I'm looking forward to seeing it land whoever whoever gets it this year. Um, I do think we've got to the point now where do you think a lot of the English players will know who Jim Telfer is? Do you think that 97 Lions tour has sort of carried on sort of past maybe our generation? I think he's still renowned particularly for that speech i don't i don't think that many of the england players would be able to sort of uh tell you his coaching background what he did with scotland but i think that that speech has still got cuts across but then i don't see him sort of sitting at home and you know you know giving the press some platitudes about how he doesn't really like the english i don't think that has that much cut through actually no i wouldn't i wouldn't have thought so i think um the England squad, if they, if that was the thing that's going to throw them off their game this uh, this week or in ten days' time, they've got bigger they've got bigger concerns um, about the mental fortitude of that squad. But we will come on to the potential frailties facing the England team and challenges they've had um, later on in the podcast. We're going to go through some news, some signing news, and some. It feels like the weekly departure of a big name from Glasgow Warriors. We're going to get into the latest news on that. But before we do so, a quick reminder of how you can keep in touch with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, um, in email, that's the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. And we've got an absolute belter coming later on. And our newsletter, which is going to be with you at every Monday morning, particularly during this Six Nations period, um, that's on Substack. Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast on the Substack newsletter platform. So get on there, subscribe, and we will be there every Monday morning. But first things first, and thank you very much to the rugby news gods for giving breaking this about an hour before we started recording. Uh, Leone Nakarawa, um, I've not said that very well. Leone Nakarawa has is leaving Glasgow to join Ulster at the end of the season on a one-year deal. Alan, what sort of impact do you think this will have on Glasgow? I mean, if you get, I guess if you look at the comparison to this season, it, not very much because actually Nakarawa hasn't played that much rugby, right? You know, he's he's ultimately was away for quite a lot of it in um, in Fiji and obviously with COVID, etc. It's just we've not really seen too much of him um, across the season. I think there appears to be like a bit of an issue, I think, with with the fact that he's gone to another Pro 14 club. I think in sort of Scottish rugby circles, we've become used to players leaving to go to either France or to go to England. And there's this kind of, you know, kind of annoyance, but ultimately we've kind of accepted it that players will leave for bigger contracts. But I think the fact that he's left to go to another Pro 14 side just kind of cuts a little bit deeper. Um but no, I mean, I think broadly when I imagine when they're sort of looking at the different squads and looking at the potential impact Nakarawa can have, and I imagine what Nakarawa is being offered by Ulster and also a bunch of other clubs, it probably just feels like it's not the best use of money, even though he is ultimately an X-Factor player. I don't know, Matt, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I, I do agree with that, but I I do get the initial reaction, which is probably a bit of a gut punch for Warriors fans, particularly on the back of the news that Bill Matta is re-signing for, for Edinburgh, which I'm sure we'll come on to. I, I think that Nakarawa leaving, w- once again, just sort of is a bit of a, it seems like a bit of a statement from, from Glasgow that they are completely unable to hold on to their superstar players. And so far, they have not been able to uh, fill the gaps that have been left by Hogg, Russell, Hastings, and and Nakarawa so far 
with anywhere near the same quality. So whilst I actually agree that hopefully his departure will free up a decent amount of the salary cap that can be allocated towards, say, a fullback or a back row player, for instance, I I, I totally get that it it sends out a, a pretty bad message. And just judging by our Twitter, we've got quite quite a few people that maybe aren't representative of Glasgow as a whole, but you know, talking about whether they want to renew their season tickets and I can see how how this kind of news that has been seemingly consistent at Glasgow for a while now is is upsetting people. Yeah, I guess he's he's one of the few players in sort of Scottish rugby, and you probably put Bill Matter in that camp as well, who does really drive, probably does drive kind of people into those seats. Like he is ultimately a world class X Factor star who will do stuff on the pitch that no one else can do, and. I think especially, and I know we'll come on to it in a second, in a week where Bill Matter was unexpectedly announced that he was staying at Edinburgh to then have, obviously, Leanna Nakarawa then leave just kind of gives this probably image that Glasgow aren't being given the love that potentially Edinburgh are. Yeah, I suppose it's a cyclical nature, isn't it? And it feels that Edinburgh and Glasgow are at very different points of that cycle at the moment. The speed at which Glasgow have gone from a Pro 14 final to now, you know, swilling around the bottom of the uh, their sort of conference and looking pretty abject in a number of ways is is certainly a concern. And I just don't... It feels to me that the SRU and Scottish Rugby sh- need to do an awful lot better in that sort of long-term planning. If the acceptance is, as we kind of all get, and as Matt was saying, that players are going to outgrow the SRU and then we'll offload them. If we're not generating the talent ourselves or having that pipeline to fill backfill those um, roles, this sort of feast of famine um, sort of structure is going to keep on going. And that's that's quite disappointing that there isn't that sort of long-term planning to try and avoid these sort of things. And I think with Nakawara in particular, it's just that, that perception point, isn't it? It feels that Glasgow are now a a pretty poor club in terms of like, you know, if you look at their squad, even from the start of the season when they didn't look great, their squad is actually worse today than it was at the start of the season or certainly for, so that's, um, that's definitely not a good thing. I I also almost get the sense that Nakarao was seen as a a big coup as a signing under Danny Wilson, because there was quite a lot of doubt about whether he was able to bring in quality because maybe he, didn't have as great a reputation as someone like Dave Rennie. And, you know, the fact that Nakarao was signed is arguably, it can be used as a, a bit of a, a pulling method for, for other signings saying, you know, this, this is the quality that we're added. This is the direction we're going. And I don't know if I, if I was someone looking for a move or Glasgow had, had come to me at the moment, um, you know, I, I would be looking at the club as, probably not the play, best place to go is somewhere that's not that attractive that is in a bit of of decline and yeah as you know as you say i think in sec- in the second row we're we're pretty well stocked but once again i think as you said alan as well the fact that he's going to another pro 14 club it, it's just it's it looks pretty bad on a number of fronts johnny petrie coming back to steal um steal more people from like the scottish rugby roster it's been a wee while since Ulster dipped their dipped their fingers into the sort of the SRU payroll for a member of staff. So I, we we probably should have seen it coming. Hundred percent. Sort of saw Nakarawa go to Glasgow, and for the last sort of twelve months, has been putting together a plan to be able to sort of take him away, and really just sort of putting that final blow into the SRU. But you know, you do. There's there's always the caveat, right? That activity isn't complete for the for the season. And I, I imagine if Glasgow were to comment on it, they would say that they've got you know numerous other sort of activities to go that will be sort of released. And but I agree that if you are a non Scotland player and you are now looking at Glasgow, you are weighing up Glasgow in the same. You're putting Glasgow in the same column as probably your Dragons and your Connacht, whereas, you know, three, four years ago, you were way, you were putting them in with Leinster, Munster, etc. And that that does have a big difference, especially for players who are getting a little bit older and want to potentially be winning things, you know? So 
it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tough one. But I imagine, if, you know, we're just about to go into Bill Matter in a second. But now that Edinburgh have got Bill Matter, Hamish Watson, and Jamie Ritchie all nailed down on new contracts, Nakara was going. Ryan Wilson and Rob Harley are getting to kind of the end of their their tenures at Glasgow. That kind of stock of players below that starting Edinburgh back row at least one, possibly two of those have to be getting shifted across or they have to be sort of words in the ear around if you want to get more game time, Glasgow's an attractive option. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd, you'd have to hope that the SRU are planning something like that. As you say, we are kind of already talking about it, but um, big Bill Matta has signed an extension at Edinburgh, which certainly caught us by surprise. I, I seem to remember when he was um, he signed his extension right at the sort of the peak of his prowess um, a couple of years ago there was definitely the subtext that this was his last contract with the SRU, but perhaps COVID changed the market. And I don't think Edinburgh fans care because as you say, Big Bill, Hamish Watson and Jamie Ritchie in the back back row sort of signed up for the next few years. Matt, what sort of impact do you think having those three signed up um, will have on Edinburgh? And is this sort of a signal of intent for Cockers that he still thinks he can win something with Edinburgh? Yeah, it's it's huge, and I suppose with the departure of Duhan, it it just shows how the budgeting's working at Edinburgh at the moment, and where Cockrell thinks that he's going to get the most value out of his players. The the thing about Bill Matta is obviously maybe aside from the last nine months or so, where he's probably been struggling to perform a little bit. He, he's obviously one of Edinburgh's best performers, and because he's not away on international duty as, as much as the, the Scottish players, he, he plays in so many games. I mean, even the the likes of the Italian Italian opponents where you'd think he'd maybe would get rested, he's he's always playing. Um and yeah, I think it's a as you said, there was there I'm sure there was quite a lot of, of interest. And when he signed his extension in which was March in twenty nineteen, I mean he was pretty open about saying he said, uh, I'd like to go to other places after this. Once I've done my time in Edinburgh, I can leave to go to another club. Uh, so with, with that in mind, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big achievement to, to keep him there because clearly his, his eye was, eyes were elsewhere. Oh my God, I absolutely love that. Once I've completed my sentence at Edinburgh, I'm allowed to leave. That is so good. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is a massive thing. Another re-signing at um, Edinburgh this week, young Jamie Hodgson, um, who's been getting an awful lot more game time under Cockers in the last um, uh, few months or so in the second row, has re-signed. Um, I'll leave it to for you guys to do the customary sort of stew-mail fawning over um, Jamie Hodgson. I, I'm a big fan. I think it's, it's interesting with Jamie Hodgson because he played a lot of age group stuff but for for Scotland under eighteen, Scotland under twenty, etc. But I don't think he was ever really earmarked as one of the standout talents in those teams. So he was within the the Scottish Academy and attached to Edinburgh. But within that, he was sent out to play for Stumel, sent out to play for Watsons, which turned into a, a partnership contract. And I think it was when he was still on that partnership contract with with Watsons that Cockrell started picking him. So he was still effectively on kind of a academy-ish contract when he started playing for Edinburgh and since then he seems to have seems to be a bit of a, a favorite under under Cockerell just kind of like a bit of a a workhorse um who puts in you know like a, a pretty incredible effort and has, has been pretty good particularly in in sort of recent months sort of a really low grade back his boater <laughs> really like really low grade but like loves to fuck people up basically I love how you came back there to like clarify. You were like, not just low grade, really low grade. <laughs> Poor bloke. I mean, it's a nice comparison. But, yeah, which I don't know if you'd want to be, you know, a, a complete like for like with Backy's Bota, because that's saying something about your character. He was fairly successful as a rugby player. Oh yeah, but he like was a dirty fucker, right? Yeah, he was evil. He was evil. Yeah, or like one hundred percent. Like, like the ru- rugby allowed him to do like acts that ultimately would be illegal in any other <laughs> environment. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, perhaps we should leave our, our our segment on Jamie Hodgson there, but he has re-signed 
at um at Edinburgh they they continue to do some nice interesting bits of business and both sides begin to sort of shape shape their sides for next season and beyond. Um Edinburgh were good enough for a win away from home bouncing back from their 1872 loss against Glasgow. They went down to Zebra and won 26 10. Um usually we would sort of um take these Italian games as a bit of a banker, but in this sort of slightly strange season with the ups and downs forms of both pro teams, an away win for Edinburgh fairly convincingly is is quite a decent showing. Would you agree, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Particularly given the the context of uh obviously, you know, some players being rested by by Cockrell and then the the sort of disaster that that unfolded on the eve of the match that meant Cockrell and Kinghorn had to stay at home because I, I believe they didn't get their uh, negative test back in time. Um, and sort of combine that with Zebra away, it's a real banana skin. There's no crowds. You're down to 13 men at one point. The referee, I don't think he was biased, but he didn't really seem to have much control over what was going on. Uh, you know, they sort of all add up to a, a potential Edinburgh loss. But no, it's, it's I think as we tweeted, it's it, it seemed to be one of those gritty you know grinding out the the win um outcomes that have have been lacking for edinburgh recently so hopefully it's it's something that they can they can build on albeit it's it's uh it's only zebra away but i think they were they were sort of quietly impressive in how they they went about things this is what we've become taking enjoyment from a win against zebra what's happened <laughs> to scottish rugby in the last 12 months we just need to sort of like we just need anything to sort of like stabilize us. That's just like, you know, the shot in the arm we needed. I think it's like the SRU were like building us up. They're like, Bill Matt has re-signed. Edinburgh beat Zebra because they knew, they knew Nakarab was on the way. So they had to sort of like, um, they had to give us a little bit of joy beforehand. That's just like, they hold our emotions in the palm of their hands, just like so, so tightly. Um, yeah. But I, so it was a board, board meeting on Monday, and they're like, "Right, the fans have had the win against Zebra. Drop the Nakarawa. It's uh, it's the right time just to slip it, slip it." <laughs> Look, I think that's exactly how things go on in the in the in the bowels of Murrayfield, where these dark decisions are taken. Um, but I, I agree with Matt. I um I, ca- I caught the second the second half of the game, and subsequently caught up with a little bit of the first as well. Um, the first wasn't much to shout about, but I was impressed with Edinburgh in the second half. I think there was a period sort of 50, 50 to 60 minutes, which ultimately sort of defined the game where they were really under the cosh. It definitely looked... I think the scores were very tight. Um, I think just one penalty in it at the time. Um, and Edinburgh sort of saw off about six or seven minutes of sort of sustained um, scrum penalties, penalties, tap and goes, pick and goes, etc. from Zebra. Um, Will and Nell got um, put in the bin. And you just feel... Ah shit! Zebra are going to score. They're definitely going to get ahead. But huge defensive work. They managed to get out. Didn't give away any points. And then actually from there, planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When they were still down to 14 men, they managed to go up the other end, get a penalty, sort of begin to eke out that sort of gap, which is quite impressive. And I think... um, Jakob van der Waal had one of his better games. I think that is something that he does offer is that slightly, I suppose, more workmanlike gritty performance where you just need someone to kick their goals. Um, he did that very well. And 
I mean, one thing that I think is really exciting, we'll, we'll obviously come on to talk about Scotland centres shortly, but Mark Bennett's finding form again, um, possibly not back to the peaks of 2015, but he's definitely coming back, scoring, um, scored a try in this game, and he just looks fit and firing again, which is really exciting, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, for him, it's probably about getting that run of games. He's just not had sort of a consistent run of games for a club in a, in a long time. And hopefully, you, even, you probably hope that even it's slightly under the radar, kind of when the Six Nations is going on, if he can continue to put kind of a good stretch of games together for Edinburgh. Um, obviously, not sure what's going to happen in the summer in terms of summer tours, etc. But I reckon we'll probably see him back in a Scotland shirt. Um, potentially for, was it Romania away is the summer tour? I can't remember what it is now. Yeah, R- Romania. Is it just Romania? Is it Romania and Georgia? Well, do you remember that sort of it got rumoured to be announced, but then Andy Robinson got asked about it and he sort of said, the now Romania coach, and he sort of said, it's the first I've heard about it. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's been 100% confirmed, actually. I would absolutely love to go Bucharest away. As you said, we're still debating your stag destination, Dave. It's oh, yeah. Bucharest Christ, yeah, away think about that. has to Pray, pray that COVID is 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 past us, and we can do Bucharest away for your stag do. That would be fantastic. I'm in. If that's happening, I'm I'm, I'm signed up. Eastern European forty eight hours is about as good as you can get for a stag do. Chuck a Scotland game in the middle. I should get to take if that's if that's the case. I should get to take the ball onto the centre circle or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually do some research, and there's one Scottish pub in Romania, um, but it's in a town that's like 250 miles away from Bucharest. So I was thinking of whether we could do a live pod in Bucharest, um, but uh, it might be a bit of a big round trip, or we could just could do a, a big, big round bus trip. journey. <laughs> 250 mile bus journey across Romania for me to then walk out holding Jamie Ritchie's hand um, as the mascot for the Scotland um, team that would be unbelievable what a perfect weekend the culmination of, every, of everything we've been trying to do on this podcast just end it That's there it. pod's cancelled so that was most of the things that we wanted to talk about um, with Edinburgh versus Zebra I suppose it does it slightly nudges them into the chasing pack in Conference B. There's a sort of a group of them, the Ospreys and Scarlets, all sort of um, in that sort of middling middling area. And I think if Edinburgh can put a run together in their last six games, they've got a chance of pushing themselves a little bit higher up. Um, which you would That's hope the, they can chance do. of what? Because <laughs> you well, it's, it's, it's the I top. Suppose, it's the- I suppose it depends if this Rainbow Cup actually happens, doesn't it? Because surely, if the Rainbow Cup doesn't happen, they'll have to ref- revert back to they'll revert back to the traditional Pro Fourteen setup, would they not? Yeah, it's a fair shout, um, and it feels, especially you know, I'm not an a you know epistemologist or wh- whatever the specific term is, but it feels like with the South African variant, and they've now banned. I think if you come from South Africa, you actually have to quarantine now for ten days. So. It feels like, from a Rainbow Cup perspective, that that ain't going to happen unless all those squads come over and are just based in the UK for the entirety of that competition. So, no, potentially you're right, actually, that you know Edinburgh and Glasgow have both got opportunities not to get first in their group, but to reach the top three. So, need to be sort of thinking about, you know, if things do change, what what does that mean for them? So, sorry, Alan, what did you say? You weren't a, an epistemologist. I think, that, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's someone who studies knowledge. So, I mean, technically you could be right there. I think it might have been epidemiologist you meant. Yes, that's correct. I'm sure there's something there's something ironic about describing yourself as um, uh, a man who studies knowledge, but actually getting the description. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We probably don't need to dwell on that too much, but we will keep a keen eye on Pro 14 announcements to see if um, there are any changes. Because I'm I'm kind of with you that it feels to me that the Rainbow Cup it, that feels like a stretch too far when we're preparing to close the borders. But who knows where this crazy pandemic will take us next? It also feels like they kind of went out a bit early and like yeah. a, bit hard, a bit hard with it. Like they kind of like it was only a couple of weeks ago they were dropping memes like viral videos that weren't very funny like oh, trying yeah, to get like everyone like amped. Yeah, but when when you come up with a video as great as that, 
like you, you've got to strike while iron's hot. You know, you've got to put that content out there. Yeah, ex- exactly. It, it, it could be there'd be so many safari fixtures in the new Rainbow Cup. It would be unbelievable. Zebras, bulls, zebras, cheetah, cheetahs, sharks, lions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm I'm not a big fan of Wales Online, but to be fair, when the the announcement of the Rainbow Cup came out, their headline was the death rattle of a dying league. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> well, I think we've we've strayed into naming animals, so I think we should probably kick on to talk a little bit about um, the big news that everyone's thinking about, which is the Calcutta Cup. Um, a week on Saturday. Um, obviously, we'll be back next week to do a full-on preview once the squads are announced and really sort of hype ourselves up for that first massive weekend of the Six Nations. But there has been little bits of news dropping from the Scotland and England camps which are worth having a little bit of a chew over. And first things first is something we're hearing from inside the camp itself, and that is lots of speculation on whether Cameron Redpath will be capped in his first game. As we understand it, him and Chris Harris are running together in the centres at the moment. So it feels like we might be seeing um, Redpath in that 12 jersey a week on Saturday. Matt, are you excited by that? Yeah, massively so. I, I, as we talked about last week, a, a wee bit surprised um, just because I thought that Taylor would start due to his his experience. But the, the thought of having Finn and Cam Redpath there in particular playing playing together is super exciting from an attacking perspective. And I think alongside Harris, that's quite a nice blend, actually. But what, what I'm hoping is that Redpath can be used in a way that really plays to his strengths. So I think sort of distribution and and playmaking are are big, are big parts of his game, and if we can use him to get the likes of Duhan, Hogg, and and whoever the other winger might be, someone like Darcy Graham, into the game, then that backline starts to look really quite tasty. I uh, I'm going to steal this from the the Glasgow Warriors forum, but there was an interesting description of Cam Redpath, which was sort of Pete Horn, but with a with a higher ceiling which I think is kind of a fair comparison in terms of kind of the, the type of players there are, but I do just think Cameron yeah. Path has, is is better in, in a lot of aspects and has the ability, obviously, he's only 21, to improve quite considerably. Um, and I do think, you know, when Peter Horn and Finn Russell played together, they did sort of complement each other quite well. You know, they were playing in, especially kind of in 2018, when they were playing in that sort of extra game together. And whilst... You know, we've kind of talked about the merits and uh, of Harris for the last sort of eighteen months, and you know, again, he's not the most exciting option in the world, but ultimately, he appears to give that sort of level of stability and consistency that Tooney's after. And I imagine he's going to be wanting more than ever now that you're bringing essentially, a, uh, you know, someone on debut in at twelve. So, no, I think it's exciting. And I think if that backline that you've sort of outlined actually starts for Scotland going into that England game, I think Scotland fans have got a lot to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I love, we put out a tweet to the effect that Redpath and Harris were looking like the starting centre partnership. And at least two people responded saying, what has Harris got on Tooney? Which is a fairly um, standard response. He's He hasn't endeared himself, but I do agree with you, Matt, that it's a really nice... Uh, there's a really nice blend to that partnership. Um, other news coming out of camp. Um, Alex Craig, the um, Gloucester second row, is not in camp because of an injury. He stayed at Gloucester to have continued treatment on that. So Nick Haining has been training with the squad um, throughout the week. Whether that actually means he'll be involved in and around the um, squad next week is an interesting one. Um, Alan Haining at eight for, for England. To be fair to Haining, Whenever he's been asked to play for Scotland, he's he's stepped up to the plate and and played sort of what I would say probably above what, how his sort of normal um, form. But I think in terms of this team sort of kicking forward, you know, I'm 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 pretty set that I think Matt Ferguson needs to be given more time in that number eight shirt, and I think he can build that a nice sort of combination with with Rich, Richie and Watson. So, you know, that's I think. You know, fair play, get Haining in the squad and sort of help out. I think it's a bit sad for sort of Alex Craig. It's I think sort of 
I haven't seen too much of him for Gloucester, and but generally sort of a lot of positive noises coming out, and he appears to be able to sort of cover both second row and and six. So kind of obviously gives you that sort of degree of um, adaptability, which we should go missing. Yeah, and he seems to be a Toonie favourite. He's been brought into the squad a few times, but he's never quite been given that opportunity yet. So it would be good to see him have a sustained time in that Scotland squad um, and see what he could possibly do. No, I did an interesting point to make just back on the Cam Redpath piece was it, it sort of came out via sort of interviews over the last week that it sounds like, you know, Gregor Townsend A has obviously been in conversation with um with Cam Redpath for, you know, the last few years, but then it sounds like he was asked to come and join the Scotland squad in the autumn and I think he, he he's obviously said from a PR perspective that he he felt he yeah. wasn't ready for international rugby, which you know, fine. I mean that, that's not a real thing, but it's uh, I guess it's it's like quite a good way to sort of pam off the question. I guess you know, ultimately it does feel a little bit like he was sort of waiting a little bit longer to sort of assess his options and I know I think he had the opportunity to play for Scotland, England and France. And clearly sort of now now with a bit more time, obviously we'll never know what conversations yeah. have been had with England and, and maybe France, although it doesn't really sound like there's been too much. And he's now sort of come to the decision to play for Scotland. And, you know, it's just interesting to know that he's obviously, you know, having discussions and thoughts and sort of the background, but he's obviously made that decision now with a couple more months of time to commit to Scotland. Yeah. And there was a couple of interesting pieces that came out of his interview with Mark Palmer at the weekend. He says, <laughs> it's probably just an anecdote, but obviously his dad, Brian and, and Gregor know each other quite well. And he said that whenever Gregor was round the house, seeing his dad, he used to like joke about getting him into the Scotland squad. So it's been a sort of like constant, um, a constant sort of ribbing that's been been going on. And he also said that obviously his dad had sort of had this sort of studied personality of not wanting to pressurize him into anything. But when he told him he was playing for Scotland, he was like clearly visibly delighted that he'd done that rather than playing for England, which I thought was a really nice thing. Just like that sort of lineage is quite important. Um, and I think it's really nice that we do have another red path in a Scotland jersey because it would have been strange seeing him if he'd lined up for England and extremely strange if he'd lined up for France, even though he was, um, he was able to. No, and I guess I've actually got a little quiz for us right at the end, but an interesting little fact is both Brian Redpath and Gregor Townsend's last game was against Australia in the world cup in 2003. Oh, really? It wasn't. I hope that wasn't a quiz answer because you've just given it away. Final bits on this. As I say, we'll be back next week to talk about it, but England, not having the happiest time sort of pre-Six um, Nations, um, sort of expected first-team players or first-team squad players, Joe Launchbury, Joe Marler, Sam Underhill, all being ruled out via injury or, in Marler's case, a personal decision not to travel with the squad due to COVID, um, and Mako Vunipola out already. I saw some conversation on social media this week that England are vulnerable. Matt, do you buy into England being vulnerable against Scotland next Saturday? I mean, I think the players that are missing are pretty key players. They're your two first choice loose heads. And also Kyle Sinclair hasn't been included because of his ban. Who's your first choice tight head. Uh, and then adding Launchbury to that and Underhill. Launchbury was looking like he probably was going to start in second row. So, you know, I, I I don't think England are ever really going to be vulnerable because they have probably the most depth out of any rugby team in the world. Uh, you know, as shown by the fact that Jack Willis has been brought in for Sam Underhill. But, you know, does it give Scotland a better chance? I Yeah, I, I think it does. Alan, Scotland for the Calcutta Cup? I'll save my predictions for uh, for next week, but probably not. But probably not. Well, it's a lovely little teaser of your um, of your proposed negativity. Um, so yeah, as we say, we will be back to talk all things Calcutta Cup and Six Nations next week once um, the uh, once we know all the teams. Um, so we'll check us back here next week. I had one bit of AOB before the um, before the quiz to finish things off and. Um, subscribers to our newsletter, um, that's on Substack, um, will have seen, we put out the question um, about 
an Edinburgh scrum call called Argentina. It was very audible if you were watching the Zebra game at the weekend that there was a few scrums when they were sort of screaming Argentina before engagement. We asked what that question was and um, thank God for the listeners who know more about us. Duncan Mackay emailed us in. That's the thistlerugby at gmail.com. And here's what he had to say. He said, hi, gents, long-time listener and very much a kindred spirit of the Negatron in terms of my predictions, th- um, thoughts and feelings around Scottish rugby. That said, I appreciate the efforts on the part of both Matt and Dave to try and keep Chipper and um, Luke, uh, and sorry, and keep the spirits up. Um, I saw your question as to why shouts of Argentina may be going on in games recently in the newsletter. Argentina ball is traditionally a call for an eight-man shove at the scrub, where rather than hanging off and putting in minimal effort, as they usually do, the back row players are asked to bind tightly and put maximum effort into um, the shove in the scrum. Does so that there you always go. happen? Um, Duncan's also very kindly, knowing our affliction of not being able to tell the difference between loose heads and tight heads, he's actually listed out all of the current contracted Glasgow and Edinburgh and Scotland props um, in a list of loose head and tight heads. So I'll send that round, lads, so we'll never make that mistake again. So for those who were wondering about Argentina ball, there you go. Duncan Mackay has sorted you out. Um, and that was it. That was my last bit of any other business. So, Alan, do you want to take us take us out with a quiz? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I, th- I thought it was quite interesting that Brian Redpath and Gregor Townsend's final game was that sort of quarter final in the 2003 World Cup. I know sort of Tooney did make himself available, I think, for some of the games after that, but then I can't remember exactly what happened. He either didn't get picked or um, he definitely wasn't kind of um, picked for sort of starting team. But uh, I thought. I know all three of us watched a lot of that 03 World Cup compilation VHS back in the day. And I thought we'd um, give a little stab of trying to get through some of the uh, starting 23s as as you can. So you've both got three lives and we're going to go back and forth. And you've got to tell me a player that was in the starting 23 in the 2003 quarterfinal against Australia. And because you're not going to be as good, Dave, we can start with you. Gregor Townsend. Gregor Townsend is correct. Tom Smith. Uh, yeah, correct. Brian Redpath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. I'm sticking, I'm sticking close to the brief here, lads. Um, um, Gordon Bullock. Yeah. Goran Bullock was in the front row with T. T Smith. Dave, what you got? Um, Jason White. Jason White is correct. Playing at six. Nathan Hines. Nathan Hines in the row up against, I think, Justin Harrison. Um, would he have been with Stuart Grimes? He was in the room. He's in the boiler room with Stuart. Oh, nice. Correct. Strong. That is good. That's, that is really strong, I say. For some um, reason, Stuart Grimes is one of those na- those sort of like names that sticks with me. No <laughs> idea why. Old Grimesy. Old Grimesy. Um, Cammy Mather. Cammy Mather is correct. Playing seven up against George Smith. Um, Simon Taylor at eight, and we've completed completed the back row. We've only got one forward, one starting forward left. Was it was it Bruce Douglas? He's slightly cut out. Do you say Bruce Douglas? Oh, we've um, lost Matt. He's been going in and out a little bit. Actually, did that, did you see that happening? Yeah, I thought he might have gone away. Oh, oh you back, Matt? You back, Matt? Yeah, I did. I did. I did say Bruce Douglas. <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can cut that out or not. Yes, Bruce Douglas was the, the other starting prop. There we go. We've got the front eight done. Dave, you've got five of the starting back line, or we've got any of the seven, seven subs. Up to you. Um, I'd and like to go for some from the starting back line, please. Um 
Glenn Metcalf. Starting at fullback, Big Glenn. Nice. Boom. Um, Kenny Logan. Correct. Who also that might have been his last yeah, game. Yeah, I think well, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Couple, so many we, Scottish Robbie legends going have, down that game. Have we said Chris Patterson? We have not said Chris Patterson. Starting at 10. The drop, the drop goal. I know. That is epic, to be fair. That drop goal is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody <laughs> slots drop goals from like the 10-meter line anymore. Why not? Oh, no. Such a low percentage play. <laughs> like, why is he doing it? Two starting backs and six and seven subs still to go. Um, Andy Henderson. Starting 12, Andy Henderson. Bloody heck. Dave, what you got? Um, not <laughs> tough. No, not a great deal. <laughs> I wouldn't say. Um, who might have been kicking around at that time? Someone like Scott Murray or something like that. Scott Murray was on the bench. Was he? <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, would, was Townsend playing 10? So Townsend was playing 13. Ah. Uh, Chris, Chris Patterson was playing 10. And so the only, from the starting team, the only player we're missing, and uh, I'll be a, a bit of a hint, is a winger. So Daniele. Daniele is correct. Do you remember in that what? video, because remember you scored some oh, God, banging yeah. tries either against, it was either USA or maybe Japan, I think. In a, in sort of the earlier rounds, that was when he sort of really burst on the scene. Um, but yeah, I would not. There we go. Have so we've had Daniele no... in that time in that time frame in my mind. Oh, was it was was Daniele right? Oh, sorry, did you not hear me? Yes, yeah. Daniele was right. Yeah, sorry, I keep cutting out. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm going to quickly. Right, I'm going to. Can I quickly do some people on the bench then? Well, well you've both got three lives yet left, Dave. Yeah, so your, I, keep, I keep cutting out. I'm just trying to strike with iron top. <laughs> Mate, if, if you cut out and we can't get to you, you'll you'll lose your you'd lose a life as well. Oh, fair hey, enough. You're up. What you got? But I need you got five seconds. So if Red Path was starting at nine, who would have been coming through? Who's on the bench? Nice logic. Too early for too early for Custer. Who are you going for? Who's the other one then? <laughs> well, it must be Mike Blair then. If it is that an assist from you, Matt? Mike Blair is correct on the bench. I suppose yeah, Custer got, got on the 2005 tour, didn't he? So yeah, maybe not too. Yeah, but was, was Mike um, Blair good? Was Robbie Russell on the bench? Robbie Russell on the bench. Literally, who is that? I refuse to. <laughs> I refuse to accept that as a Scotland rugby player. <laughs> absolute, absolute legend. Um, um, who else? Dave, um, you still got three lives. So you got two backs, two forwards. Two backs, two forwards. Um, ooh. Three. Um, pr- previously one. mentioned on the pod, John Petrie. Yeah, John Petrie is correct. He's, <laughs> he was on the bench. <laughs> haunting, he's haunting us, John Petrie. He's, every, he's everywhere. Right. To be fair, 100% record, and we're down to three. We've got um, two backs and one forward. Matt, wh- wh- who have you got? Have we lost Matt? No, I'm, I'm back now. Um, <laughs> so annoying. Gavin Kerr. Gavin Kerr is incorrect. Oh. Yeah. I feel like, Dave, you're you're on a hot streak. What have you got? <laughs> I have zero faith that you're going to get any of these three, but you're on um, a, let's see what you've got. Just chuck, chuck out there. I mean, we're talking about what? Early 2000s Scotland props and... Um, yeah, so you've got a you've got a prop, and then you've got kind of a, one player who probably sort of covers 
two players that kind of cover between sort of 13 to 15, I would say, or like the back three plus 13. Um, oh, I'm, I'm drawing a complete blank. Um, Matt, if you've got any, f- feel free to drop them in. I've got one, I think, that, Dave, you quite like. Uh, it's the name you kind of give us like a default when you don't know, which is um, Gordon McElwam. Yes, Fuck Gordon McElwam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you might yeah. get it because I thought you might chat that out. Because I might just guess Gordon McElwam. Um, I do love his name. <laughs> and then the two two backs? Was it Hinshelwood? Hinshelwood was oh, one. Ben yeah, Hinshelwood. What a ledge. Don't... Um, I don't think I know the other. I presume they're centre, but I don't know who it'd be. And then the other one, I don't know who came on to replace, but I remember he came off the bench against Fiji, and his first action was he got completely stepped and didn't touch Rupeni Thotho. <laughs> and then um, the Thotho went on to score a try. Was that McLaren guy? Yeah, yeah, McLaren. <laughs> oh, great shot, Jim McLaren. And that's it, full 23. Done. That's not too bad. That was actually good. I did a lot better than I thought you're going to do. That's my that's my like sweet spot of niche like rugby knowledge. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Alan, thank you very much for that. That was great. Um, and as I say, we will be back next week to preview um, Edinburgh's uh, Edinburgh. Scotland versus um, versus England Calcutta Cup first game of the Six Nations. So join us back on the pod um, here. Um, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, um, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Send us an email like, um, our pal Duncan Mackay did. That's the thistle rugby at gmail.com. And make sure you sign up to the newsletter on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, and give us a review on Apple iTunes. That would be absolutely fantastic. We're very excited about the Six Nations period. We've got lots of exciting stuff coming up. Um, so, Keep it with us and um, we will be back with you next week. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.